what's this, gang? A little surprise for you. Not our regularly scheduled episode. Yeah, it's it, we're like the Easter Bunny. Easter is this coming Sunday. And look in your basket. A sweet treat. Yeah, two episodes this week, hopefully. Uh, like, like, here's the deal. Um, we recorded our Patreon episode, a comically real review of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And Lisa and I had so much fun recording that episode. We had to share it with the rest of you. I don't. I don't know who did it, but uh, somebody let the dogs out. <laughs> somebody let the and dogs out. And I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, uh, we have 29 patrons. Yes. This episode would not be uh, in existence without them. So we got to send a lot of love to our 29 patrons. You guys are the best. Uh, we hope that those that aren't patrons who are listening to this episode can get a little taste of what we're doing over in that other feed and may want to join us. If not, that's fine. I do think you're still going to have a great time with this uh, uh, review of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Although we take like 17 minutes to get to that review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Brad attended South by Southwest. We had a lot going on last week. So, yeah. And, 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 we, had to t- and we had to talk. Yeah, we had to talk it out. We had to maybe, chat. Maybe we had to like deal with some relationship stuff on the air as well. <laughs> yeah, So yeah. you'll hear that too. Uh, anyway, uh, here's our theme song. Let's get this show going. Friends, welcome back to yet another episode of Comically Real. With me, as always, it's that eternal life partner of mine, Lisa Gullickson. Hello. Hello, Brad. I, I'm I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Oh, okay. And anticipating your cues. Oh, oh I'm glad you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed <laughs> because I am absolutely beat. You're tie-tie. I'm super tie-tie. We just got done with South by Southwest, the virtual experience. My first time covering South by Southwest. And even though like, oh, boy, wouldn't it be great to be in Austin amongst the people with the festival? The reality is I wouldn't be there if it wasn't virtual. Um, And, you know, we talked about this somewhere in our back catalog of comic book couples counseling. Uh, But we and by we, uh, I made the choice or I leaned heavily into not covering Sundance this year because it was virtual. And I was... A little ir- irritato yeah, because were, yeah. I don't, I feel like I don't have, because I, you know, I'm working full time. Mm-hmm. I don't have the like gravitas to get the hookup yeah. for and, the uh, covering Sundance or South by Southwest or any of these virtual I mean, that's, film festivals. And I feel like um, we were missing out. I, I mean, one, I don't think that's actually true, Lisa. Aww. You keep saying that, but- We covered Sundance not through Film School Rejects or any of my connections. 
we covered it exclusively through In the Mouth of Darkness, and we pitched ourselves as In the Mouth of Darkness, and we got in through In the Mouth of Darkness, that which is, is our true. other podcast. That I sell myself short. I think you do. So you, we could have covered but, Sundance this year. But I couldn't have done it alone because, no. I mean— I mean, you would be, I, I guess I would be working or well, not working. I don't know. Well, well, this is the weird thing about the pandemic year is, you know, normally we would take off two weeks, cover Sundance. You would get off your day job. Um, I would get off my day job and we would immerse ourselves in Sundance. It feels weird to... Fully immerse yourself in a virtual experience. And so you didn't really feel comfortable taking off this past week. I would have if we had planned for it. Where, like, I was going, like, we could still do Sundance. I could still take off of work. You could still take off of work and we can do it. But you didn't want to. Okay, that's true. And then, and you didn't want to do South by Southwest. That's true. And then on Impulse... You submitted to South no, by Southwest. No, I never actually submitted to South by oh, Southwest. Oh, so you just got FSR just hooked you up? Well, FSR submitted me. You okay. Because like a week or a couple weeks before South by Southwest, Neil, head honcho, big cheese over at Film School Rejects, asked who would be interested in covering South by Southwest. And with that question put out there, I by said, your boss, you say yes. But when it's put out there by your wife, you're like, no, thank you. That's correct. That's <laughs> correct. But and, all that but, being said, I didn't get to take off of work. So you didn't take off of work for South by Southwest. I didn't get to take off of work. You didn't get to. Because we didn't anticipate Because I didn't, it. we didn't plan it. And because I was so crabby over Sundance, I'm putting this all on me, Lisa. I like, know, me too. Like, like <laughs> don't think I'm, 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 I'm uh, skirking my, my, uh, responsibilities in these poor decisions. Um, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, oh gosh, this, this is not what our listeners want to hear, but like, I was not in a good headspace in January when Sundance was happening. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I was, I was, I mean, this past year, movie wise, I've not been having a ton of fun watching movies and talking about movies, frankly. Yeah. Um, and so I disengaged from a lot of those festival, virtual festival experiences, because I felt like, eh, virtual, bleh. You know, I mean, and, you know, maybe I was turning my nose up at them a little bit. Maybe I was like, well, what's the point of covering a film festival if I can't be amongst the people? That's where this conversation started on this podcast. Right. And because my boss said, who wants to cover this thing? And I said, yes. I then got to cover South by Southwest from home, and I discovered how much I loved it (laughs) and that Lisa was right. And I should have um, not fought you in covering Sundance in the first place. So I do have a regret because I do believe if I had covered Sundance virtually, I would have been re-energized over the cinematic experience earlier than right now today, because I've watched now 24 films in five days and I had an absolute blast immerse, immersing myself, even virtually. And I wish I had done that for Sunday. So I am sorry. This is me coming onto our Patreon, which we were going to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But now I'm apologizing to you. That's right. You guys are investing financially <laughs> in hearing that I am right. <laughs> but I, I kind of I, I'm playing up my disappointment a little bit. Because even though I couldn't fully participate in South by Southwest because I did have to work, it was kind of nice to come home and get to watch 
a new movie. Yeah, and you you watched a bunch of movies this week. I did. I didn't watch 24 or however many you watched. No, you did not. But um, before we move on, like, was there a South by Southwest film that you would recommend to our listeners to keep their eye out? I really loved the last one we watched, Language Lessons. That was so good. Um, oh, I wish I had the information. It's uh, directed by Natalie, Natalie Morales. Morales, uh, co-starring her and Mark Duplass. And it is the perfect... Quarquar movie without <laughs> actually being about COVID-19. Yeah. It's about a guy whose spouse signs him up for virtual Spanish lessons and um and then they develop this relationship. That's all I'm going to say because that's all I thought going in. Yeah. And I had a preconceived mo- notion about what that was going to be. And it was so not that. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a romantic comedy set in COVID. Uh-huh. Like, that's what I thought it was going to be. And then five minutes in, something happens. And I'm sure they're going to spoil that in oh, trailers. Oh, they better not. Guys, don't read anything about this. Because like when that happened, whoa. This storytelling, I mean, like Natalie Morales, I am on board for watching anything that she directs. Because even with this like limited, like mostly it's told through screens, the storytelling was exquisite. Yeah. It was the design was yeah. really wonderful and yeah. eclectic. And I, I just really loved this movie. And I love Mark Duplass. So oh, Mark Duplass is great. Pa- watch Paddleton. That's on Netflix. Mark Duplass and Ray Romano. That's essential. Viewing. And that's a that's a one that's directed by Mark Duplass. Right. But this was No, that wasn't directed by, that was produced by Mark Duplass. It was directed by Lehman. Remember, because we interviewed the director. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm so rude. <laughs> I forgot that guy. <laughs> uh, but but watch Paddleton, because that's great. It's wonderful. You'll cry a lot. And I've seen other screen movies like Unfriended, Unfriended Dark Web, Open Windows, and I've never really engaged with that medium of storytelling. And so I wasn't like necessarily like, I can't wait to watch this lockdown movie told through screens. But this film, like like you said, the storytelling of it, the craft of structuring this narrative around these like, screens. I had moments whoa. when I was like gasping. Yeah, like, I was genuinely surprised by visuals. Actual jaw drops, actual jaw drops. So good. Uh, that was my favorite. I also really liked the one about Alien on stage. Oh, the documentary about a group of uh, British bus drivers from Dorset putting on a community theater production of Ridley Scott's Alien. I know you guys are are comic book people, but I know some of you are also movie people and general media people and horror people and sci-fi people. Um, And maybe there are some fellow community theater people. I don't know. You can tell me. This is a safe space. The CBCC audience uh, contains multitudes. Yeah, but this is a documentary. But uh, it's like if uh, the uh, the British, the office, and waiting for Guffman had a baby. It'll blow your mind that this is both real and I guess not supposed to be a comedy. But I was like laughing. I got choked up at yeah, one moment. Yeah, I, like, I think that's a, a perfect um, comparison. I don't think at any point this film is mocking the people involved. No, it's utterly sincere. Yes. It's utterly sincere. In a way that, like, it's right, it's like an arrow 
a Hawkeye arrow yeah. right directly to my my feels. Yeah, that yes, very good movie, very good. A cross section of a lot of my nerdy stuff. Yeah, I think I think our folks would really enjoy it. My recommendations uh, that are for two films that you didn't get to watch that I think comic book fans would like is this Norwegian film called Ninja Baby, which is about a cartoonist, a comic book artist who finds herself pregnant and. She thinks she can just go and get an abortion, but when she goes to her doctor, she discovers she's actually six months pregnant. And even though, you know, most of the time you show, there are certain times that you don't show. And now she has to carry this baby to term. And so, you know, it's a ninja baby. Like, how did that baby get in there? And the way she imagines this child inside her is through the cartoon of a ninja baby talking to her. So this is there's animation throughout. And I really responded strongly to this film as a childless person, a person who has no desire to have a, a kid. To Child-free is what I like to say, because we're not less. Yeah, child-free. A child-free person, because I just don't have that paternal instinct in me whatsoever, and this character doesn't either. And... Um, I don't think that the story, even though she, well, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but like, it, this is not like a, a pro-life movie or a pro-choice movie. Uh, it, it, that's not, that's not what's at stake here. It's, it's, what do you want? Like, what do you, what, what's, how do you see yourself? Yeah. You, you know, how do you see yourself as a human being? What do you want out of life? And uh, it did not portray my child-free feelings. <laughs> like, to me, this is like a champion film for child-free uh, humans. Yeah, <laughs> like there's not – I mean, there's not a lot of those. It's hard to talk about without spoiling it. Um, uh, to me, like, uh, I didn't see it, obviously. No, no. We already said that. That's right. Um, but uh, I'm a little disappointed it's not about actual baby ninjas. I, I mean, same. <laughs> and it also – you talking to me about it in a little bit more detail kind of reminds me of the story of uh, Tessa Fowler. Oh, yes. The illustrator cartoonist yeah, online who we love. T- we love, and she's been um, illustrating the story of her breast cancer. Yes. On, and yes. you, I've been following her on Twitter. And it just kind of that, like, um, when you're an artist, any kind of artist, you have a way of, like, this is how I'm processing. Yes. Yes. And um, and so to me, that's I'm that's what to Ninja Baby this. is like when I like I, I feel like I do such a disservice trying to talk about Ninja Baby because it seems like a much heavier film than it, it than it is. Mm-hmm. But but it's more about like that what you're talking about, you know, yeah. using art to figure out what the heck you're doing in life. Yeah. And yeah. so I respond so strongly to that. And I think comic book readers would respond positively to that. The other film your that I want to recommend is going to your your mile your mileage may vary as they say with it and that is the rotoscoped animated film the spine of night that Lisa does not give two shits <laughs> about I tried to get her to watch a few seconds of it and she was like no what's this fantasy bs I do not care I don't like I when anything <laughs> uh when any piece of art is like metal forward. <laughs> yeah. There's something in me that just scoffs and it's not fair. Yeah. 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 So like this is, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's like DC's death metal. It's yeah. not Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, which is legit metal as fuck. Yeah. But this is, you know, I, I'm going to show you how metal I am. It's metal apocalypse. If you yeah, remember that yeah, cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like anything that, that it has the trappings, the, the trappings. But yeah, I, I get it. 
and I'm not going to ever convince you that you're going to like the spine of night. Um, what I appreciate about it is there's no wink in the movie. It is also very sincere in its storytelling. It is obviously an homage to the collaboration of Ralph Bakshi and Frank Frazetta and, and the film Fire and Ice. Plus, like those other Bakshi films, you know, the Lord of the Rings animated films that he did. Snooze. Uh, Heavy Metal, Mm-mm. the uh, anthology animated no film. Um, I love all those things. Lisa hates all of them. That's okay. Um, <laughs> we're different. But yeah, we're different. And, and so it's about, like, and it opens, like the movie opens and there's a large breasted, actually, she's like completely nude woman, Sounds bottomless. Amazing. She's got some jewelry made from human bones as a necklace and on her gauntlets. And she's trudging up this snowy mountain. She's voiced by Lucy Lawless. And if you see that image and you're just like, I'm out from this like childish adolescent male fantasy I get it, and I won't fault you for sounds it. Sounds chilly. It sounds it, it, first and foremost. It sounds chilly. She looked chilly. She looked chilly, and she goes up to the top of the mountain, and she encounters the guardian knight, and the guardian knight is voiced by Richard Grant. And what is he wearing? Uh, he's wearing everything. Everything. He's completely got, covered. He's fully Head armored. to toe. Got, I didn't see this, but I know he's got this great helmet. <laughs> he uh, gets a helmet. He gets a helmet. He's fully clothed. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, you know. Adolescent boy fantasy film. That's what this is. Uh, and and what she's gone up to the top of this mountain because this is the source of this flower that they're calling the bloom. And this flower has magical properties and it is being misused below the mountain. And she's telling this guardian who guards the secret of the bloom what's going on. And then it's told in sort of like this anthology format where we see pieces of various stories centered around the atrocities being committed under the bloom for the bloom for, you know, all that stuff. Okay. And it's crazy violent. It's filled with tits and blood. I loved every second of it. I love tits and blood. It's, it's got an excellent voice cast. Uh, Lucy Lawless, Richard Grant already mentioned Patton Oswalt's in it. Uh, Deathstroke, a uh, big Dick Ritchie from magic Mike. What's his name? Uh, Joe Montiliano. Ma- he has one of those like names that I can uh, Italian last names. Yeah, yeah. You guys all know that I can't pronounce anything anyway. Spine of night, super violent. Check it out. If you think it's your thing, if you had one of those murals on the side of your van in the eighties, this is the movie for you. Okay. If you didn't, you know, just go like Brad is such a thirteen-year-old boy, and you're right. Okay. I mean, I was out at Last Unicorn. Is that a, also a Bakshi film? Uh, no, I don't think Last Unicorn. I've never seen the Last Unicorn, so I I don't think it is. It is Snooze I Town, mean, USA. I'm not a huge fan of Bakshi. Like you know, Fritz the Cat. Like the, he does not make things that I love, but I do love Frank Frazetta, you, and you I do. do love Fire and Ice, and I do love The Spine of Night. So, Spine of Night, that's our recommendation, for, or that's my recommendation. Also, Ninja Baby, and then I co-signed Lisa with um, Language Lessons, and what was the other one that you said? Uh, the Alien one. Oh, Alien on Stage, Alien on Stage. So, yeah, seek those out. Uh, I also like The Fallout. The Fallout was good, too, but that's, like, The Fallout was a great movie about a topic that is hard for me to watch about school but shootings, I think, gun violence. I think... Considering what it was about, uh, school shootings. Yeah. Um, I found it. I found the characters really warm, relatable, yeah. watchable. Yeah. 
So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Lisa, we've been talking for 17 minutes and we have not even <laughs> uh, scratched the surface of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is what we're promising with this episode. Uh, the first episode dropped on Disney Plus this past Friday. It's six episodes long. This episode's called New World Order. I'm sure we're going to return to this series at the end and do a full recap review. Not a recap, but a full review of the series when it's all said and done, like we did with WandaVision. Um, so, Lisa. Yes, I have one thing to say. Okay. Uh, the last unicorn was Rankin and Bass. Okay. And I apologize. Uh, no, no, that's that's fine. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, were you excited for this show coming off of WandaVision? And did it live up to your excitement or lack thereof? I would say I was, like, in terms of a Marvel things, like, of course I was excited. Sure. I'm excited about all things Marvel. Was I as excited as I was going into WandaVision? No. Yeah. You guys know that. And was... Like, was after WandaVision, and I'm, was I like, bring on Falcon and Winter Soldier? I was like, no, I'm really super satisfied. Uh, I'd be happy if we just continue talking about WandaVision <laughs> um, until next summer. Like, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. But this show, with this opening episode, as Marvel always does, even though my expectations are so stupid high. Like, it exceeded my expectations. Cool. To me, I thought, like, with Falcon and Winter Soldier, they would be doing something way more, like, standard TV uh -huh. format. Like, uh -huh. okay, let's have a bad guy of the week, and, uh -huh. you know, there will be some kind of overarching big bad. And there was a little bit of that element, I yeah, think. Yeah, but, but it's really not as episodic as WandaVision was. Yeah, but, like, for me, this first episode <laughs> goes, like, you know what? Have you not been sufficiently curious about who Fal Falcon and Winter Soldier as individuals really are? Turns out I haven't. I haven't been nearly curious enough. I didn't like I didn't really realize I didn't know anything about Sam. Yeah. Like not the first I, thing. I, I think what is like I love Anthony Mackie's portrayal of the Falcon in the MCU movies. I think that he is critical to the appeal of the Winter Soldier and his character is critical to the plot of the Winter Soldier. But once we get beyond the Winter Soldier, Falcon really takes a back seat in the rest of the movie. And it's a little bit unfair because he started out kind of as this foil. And then there was like Bucky comes back. And then there's like a little playful like competition of who's really his best bud. Yeah. But we know in our hearts it's Bucky. Right, right. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and, and so, you know, Bucky, Sebastian Stan, since we've been with him since the first Avenger, like the love that Steve feels for that, for him, we feel for Bucky as well. So I think we are way more invested in Bucky's character and outcome and the tragedy of his existence than we are Sam's. But this episode really, really makes you... Like, I came away from this episode going, like, I'm very excited for Sam's story in this show. I think that they did a great job of setting up that Sam's pressures as one of the Avengers 
and as an American person, yeah. veteran, it, it's completely different than anybody we've met in the MCU Correct. thus far. And that maybe we were just kind of like, I feel like I was just kind of taking him for granted. Well, Captain- just like, just, just like his buddy, Captain America, taking him for granted. <laughs> That's right. Well, like Steve Rogers is without a doubt, my favorite Avenger character in the movies and also in the comics. Um, I, I adore that character. And what I adore so much about Steve Rogers when he is handled properly is the struggle that he has to wield the shield. It's a hell of a thing saying, I am Captain America. When you, uh, you know, drape your body in the American flag, you're taking on a lot. And, you know, would Brad Gullickson injected with the super soldier serum, feel comfortable calling himself Captain America? No, (laughs) no, he would not. Uh, What's interesting to me is that Steve Rogers is born out of World War II, the greatest generation. The world is going to crumble. Democracy is going to crumble. Hitler's on the march. The Red Skull's on the march. I am fighting the good fight. We look at World War II as the good fight. He sacrifices himself, goes into the ice, wakes up in an America that is way different, or at least um, is obviously different. You know, like the America of uh, the Avengers and the Winter Soldier is not the America that he thought he was fighting for in the first Avenger. And then, of course, he learns like Hydra's infected, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., and Nazis are actually, you know, operating from within the institution that he loves. And that start, you know, now he has to question his role as Captain America and what it means to wield that S.H.I.E.L.D. And then Civil War happens and the Sokovia Accords. And he he's starting not to feel comfortable being a government agent. Uh, and, and I think that's like that happens in the comics. And I love it when that happens in the comic books. Um, now where was I going to go with that? I was going to go with, he, you know, saves the day in Avengers Endgame with, with Tony Stark and the rest of the gang goes back in time, lives a life. I'm sure he has many adventures that we don't actually get to see, which is a bummer because I really want to see him bring that infinity stone back to the red skull. What was that conversation like? Uh, but we don't get (laughs) to see that conversation. Uh, And he lives into old age, which is where we meet him back at the end of Endgame, And he's got this shield with him and he wants to give it to Sam. And Sam says, feels like it belongs to somebody else. And Steve says, well, it doesn't. And then Sam says, F you. <laughs> nah, <laughs> I, he like, like Sam, like, like he's a black man in America. Right. Um, to put on the, 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 the stars and stripes of America onto your body as a black man is even more complicated uh, than than it would be for Steve to do so or for Brad to do so, uh, right? Though, though I don't think they've even addressed that. No, they actually. haven't. I think all they've hinted at in this show is that Sam has doubts in whether he should do that, and he because he he knows. Well, I'm not Steve Rogers. Well, we don't actually know what he's thinking, but that's, I think, what we can infer. He never actually says that. Well, well, but here's why I am inferring that. Because he says it belongs to somebody else. He doesn't mean anybody else. He means Steve. It belongs to Steve, yeah. When he hands it over to the Smithsonian, 
Yeah. He assumes that everybody knows that it is Steve's. And so and we're honoring Steve's legacy. Exactly. This is the house of, for Steve. Yes. This is his um, shrine. Like uh, he's like the Pharaoh and this yeah. is his tomb. The temple. Cl- yeah. Seal oh, her yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Seal <laughs> we just watched up. the mummy. Yeah. We just rewatched the mummy. Exactly. It's, Seal yeah. her up. Like this, the the legacy is done. We're putting it to rest. And of course, the United States is like, yeah, we'll put this in a glass cabinet for a second. Yeah, ten minutes a week. Yeah, and then they're like, okay, well, we got this other blonde guy. He'll do. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and I'm sure, you know John Walker, Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son. Uh, they couldn't and, have cast that better. Oh, they couldn't have, like they could not have cast it better, and they could have not shot that reveal at the end of this episode any better. And the way that that awkward-ass suit, or especially the awkward-ass cowl sits on Russell's head, <laughs> makes him look all the more punchable. Yeah, it's but so great. It feels so offensive as uh, MCU stands, as Steve stands, right? Let alone uh, as Sam Wilson. And I think what that opening episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier does so well is... Sam, like, what does Sam do after the Avengers endgame? Like, he joins back up with the United States Air Force, and mm-hmm. he starts doing missions. He falls back into the life he sort of had before he met Steve Rogers. Um, and and it, it's a routine. So he does But a, he's not like, uh, he's not like a war machine. I mean, he, but that's what he, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he's basically becoming War Machine, you know? Yeah, but I mean, I, I feel like he doesn't fall into it as naturally. I'm forgetting uh, War Machine. Don Cheadle, Rhodey. Rhodey, there yeah, we go. Yeah. Um, like, where I feel like Rhodey is content to take orders, kind of. Like, he, he is content to be either an agent of Steve Rogers or an agent of, like, He's like, I like to be, I like to be a, an individual within a team. I think Rhodey is a military man. Yes. Like, and he's like, like he bleeds military, right? Yeah. What's interesting about Sam, if we go back to Winter Soldier, is he was out of the military and that's how he was able to connect with Steve and, you know, uh, what it's like to sleep in a very cushy bed when you, when you used to sleep on rocks in the field, right? Yeah. Um, and, and Sam at that point is... In the VA, Sam's actually a lot like our buddy Darren over at In the Mouth of Darkness, the disco dork. You know, Darren still works with the VA um, and, you know, loves what he does. He loves uh, helping fellow soldiers, veterans go through um, life post-military, like helping people adjust. That's what Sam was all about in Winter Soldier as well. And he took a, a lot of pride in that. And that's actually what he does for Steve in The Winter Soldier is he's able to engage with Steve as a fellow soldier and and say, like, I, it must be hard for you, you know, being not only back in civilian life, but, you know, being in this time. But he I mean, he also aligned with Steve in Civil War where Steve goes like, I can't yes. act on my conscience if I'm not a free agent. Yes. And I and I think that um he's carrying a lot a lot into like I'm a govern I'm not a military person. Yeah. I am a government contractor. Yes. I don't even want the government to touch my toy falcon. Yeah. Like Yeah, yes. Yeah, lay off my bird costume. Yeah. So when we see him in the Falcon the Winter Soldier and he is 
going into the United States Air Force where uh, Rhodey operates so easily. He doesn't have to like think about it at whatsoever. It's, it's a routine. It's something that he's like, well, this is what I can do. But I don't think that's like, that's not his end story. I think he has taken a step back and in taking a step back and denying himself the shield in letting the American government take control of Steve's legacy, he's going to realize what he really wants. I think I'm, I think he's also enjoying being the Falcon. Oh, clearly he's enjoying being the Falcon. He like, uh, when you watch Sam in the Avengers movies, he loves being in the sky. He loves being in the suit. He loves kicking butt. Like and he I, loves bringing it to sure, Batrock. I, you know, as um, someone who like in his family, he wasn't the one who wanted to go into the family business. He mm. was the one who wanted to make his own path. And so I think that there's something in him that even though he loves Steve Rogers, I think that there is something in him that goes like, uh, like I'm making my own way on my own path. So that's what's exciting about this show for me is you get to the end where his sister's like, you got to see what's on the news. Mm-hmm. And like, how often has this happened to us in the last four years? Oh, where it's like, let's watch the news. Oh my God, my heart is sinking. What right. is happening to this country? What is happening? And so he sees John Walker wearing a uniform and carrying Steve's shield. And he's like, that's wrong. Yeah. And us as the audience go, that's wrong. And so like, is the next episode Sam saying like, I'm going to carry the shield? No, but he knows he doesn't want that dude to carry the shield. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure also we're going to see Bucky process John Walker carrying Steve's shield. We didn't even get to see his reaction to it. We didn't. And I'm curious to see if we will. I mean, we're definitely going to see some reaction to it. But you know Bucky's not going to like Wyatt Russell uh, walking around in that uniform. You, I I mean, is this the time to talk about it? Um, Sure. (laughs) You pointed out to to me what I didn't even think about it. Like, where did that shield come from? Uh, Yes. So, like, if you track the shield through the movies, um, in Civil War, Steve leaves the shield with Tony. Uh, It's scarred up from the Black Panther. It's got claws across it. It's all buffed and smashed to not not to pieces, not yet, but it's all dinged up. He leaves it. He goes off into Avengers Infinity War. We see him again. Um, T'Challa and Wakanda give him those really rad shield gauntlets so he can fight with those. And then in Endgame, after the blip, Tony returns the shield to Steve and he's He's given it a new paint job. It does like the claw marks are no longer there and it looks really nice. And Steve uses that shield to go toe to toe with Thanos um, in that awesome, you know, I am worthy action scene. And Thanos gives him a beating Mm -hmm. and he shatters the shield. Right. And it's it's broken in half as prophesized in Tony's vision in Age of Ultron at the start of that film. We see it broken. And that's a hell of a thing. And when Steve goes back in time, he has to return Mjolnir. So he's got Mjolnir with him. And he has to return the Infinity Stones to their rightful places. Again, he's got to go say hi to uh, Red Skull. That's not going to be awkward. (laughs) So he does not take the shield or the pieces of the shield back with him. But at the end of Endgame, when old man Steve Rogers is on the bench, he's got a shield. Yeah. 
Where'd that shield come from? So, yeah, I like the idea that we were talking about off mic of Captain America never really quit being Captain America. Yeah, I don't think so. He was having adventures. Yeah, I I think, like, you could do a Disney Plus series or another trilogy of films where Steve Rogers in the past is, you know, knocking the crap out of Hydra or whatever – uh, he's returned those stones, yep. and he's he's not going to stop being Steve Rogers. He's going to have the love of his life with him now, Peggy Carter. And I imagine him and Peggy are, are kicking having, ass, are kicking ass back to back, right? Like that's what I think happened. But the shield. So is that a shield that he reclaimed from the past, yeah. or did he create a new shield? Yeah. Or is that shield specifically made for Sam Wilson? Right. I mean, if it's made for Sam Wilson, then you you, you, can, you don't get to return stuff like that. <laughs> I, like, you know, like movies are funny because you get a scene like that and the scene ends. But, you know, in real life, after Sam's like, it feels like it belongs to somebody else. And Steve goes, well, it does it. Well, there's more conversation to be had. Like, <laughs> Flip it over. I engraved your yeah, name yeah, on like, it. I, like what? What happened after that scene? <laughs> and, you know, like it always bothered me watching the, uh, Steve leave and come back and Steve gives the shield to Sam and not Bucky. And because like Sam or uh, Bucky and Steve, like that's that's the big romance. That's the big relationship of the Captain America films. So why does he give the shield to Sam? And when I rewatched Endgame uh, the second time in theaters, I decided that there was a scene that we did not see before Steve went back in time. Because if you look at Bucky's reaction to Steve going back and returning the, the, the Infinity Gems, I, I think Bucky knows that Steve's not coming back. You know, he says, I'll miss you. Like... I think I think I think I think I think he told Bucky before that scene that, hey, I'm going to go get Peggy. I'm going to go live a life. It breaks my heart that Bucky doesn't get to go back. I mean, and I mean, it's 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 like, especially when you think about where he is in the beginning of this episode, like like, let's go to the scene of the date where he's on the date with this really pretty waitress and they're having first date talk, that, which is supposed to be the talk that means nothing. Do yeah. you have brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have sisters, but they're dead. Yeah. Right? Uh, what about your parents? Also dead. Yeah. Like, um, My he, best friend is dead. Uh, yeah. Well, he's not dead, but. he's go- he, he left me. Yeah, and he's old. He's now old. old. He's now old. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, like, and he says, he says in his therapy session like he's tired he wants peace he doesn't really f- want to fight anymore so like but because of his pardon situation he has to make amends with certain people i which find is weird. that super complicated yeah because they're treating it like aa but like yeah. this is not like AA. <laughs> yeah because i mean and and he's certainly not treating it like aa he's treating it like okay um i did some shit and I have some loose threads, yeah. <laughs> and um, I have uh, some things to tie up before I can. I love all retire. the idea behind all that, but I I have more questions. Uh, to me, I go like, uh, I mean, is that going to be like triggering for people who have had to go through like actual AA situations, or are they going to find that super comforting? I don't I, know. I can't answer that question. But um, like 
to me, I go like, I, I wouldn't blame Bucky if he he barely has gotten out of being fully brainwashed. Uh-huh. And he's already been, he already thought he was out once and got re-triggered by Zemo. Yeah. So like, I I can understand him fully not trusting himself at the end of, of Endgame. Of course, of course. I, 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 but it's not like Bucky could have gone back in time with Cap and fixed himself because he would still have his experiences in the past. Yeah, or, or in the future. Or, or, well, I mean, they don't go in the future. He goes in the past. Yeah, he goes, in, goes the in, fa- in the past, but when you go in the past, everything that you did in the present now becomes the future. No, it's still your past. I mean, it's your past, but they yeah. happened in the future. Yeah, so, well, right. So this is whatever, he, whatever he changes creates another timeline, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have the energy or the time to talk about how time travel is used in Endgame. Like, you know, my, my theory is not the writer's theory. I, I'm not, we're not talking about it. We're not talking about it. Uh, <laughs> you can ask me in Slack or on Twitter uh, what I think is actually going on time travel-wise. But when if Bucky had gone back in time, he's not going to erase the trauma that he has experienced. Yeah, of course. It, now, maybe he could have been back with his buds and that would have been more helpful. But I think... I think where Bucky is at the end of Endgame is severely, severely uh, trauma traumatized. I, I like he he talks briefly about Wakanda. Like why? He should hang out there, and that's what I love in that's what I love in this episode. Is he says like there was a moment in Wakanda where I was at peace. He should have stayed the White Wolf. Like that's I the, that's. Wonder- if Wakanda returned him because America is like he's technically a war criminal, a war criminal, and yeah. we is, does Wakanda have extradition with America? Maybe I guess I, I don't know. Wakanda seems pretty like we're gonna do whatever we want to do. Yeah, I don't know. It all seems yeah, very like like I agree. If I was writing this series to get Sam and Bucky together, I would not have it set up the way it is. I like Sam being with the military, go falling into that routine. Uh, and I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with wanting to make amends. I like the thought process there, but I would have kept, I would have kept Bucky and Wakanda, but of course I'm sure they don't want to mess with Wakanda until we get to black Panther too. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to show any Wakanda stuff going on uh, in the Falcon of the winter. Soldier. I'm sure uh, there are a lot of, Seb Stan stands that are very happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting to me. I was listening to Malcolm Spellman uh, do an interview on the Still Watching podcast with Joanna Robinson. He's the writer, you guys. Yeah, the head writer. And he was saying that when you are hired on to do a show like this, you walk into the room and you have all these characters that you can play with and select and pick. You're like, okay, well, I want... I want to use Zemo. I want to use Sharon Carter. I want to use a Batroc the Leaper. Um, but you'll be picking people. And as you're picking people, there's other Marvel projects that are happening in other rooms. And they go like, hey, I know you just picked um, Wong. Let's say you wanted Wong in Falcon Winter Soldier. Well, actually, Wong's going to be really important to mal- uh, in the Multiverse of Madness, so you can't use Wong. Or a better example would be like a character like... Um, What's a side character? Uh, Darcy. Yeah, I want to use Darcy. Okay, you can. Oh, actually, we've now decided that Darcy's going to be in WandaVision, so we remove 
Darcy from Falcon Winter Soldier. I think the true crime is why Baltrock was up for grabs. Uh, well, he should have been. He should be all over this universe. I love Batroc. Uh, he should be leaping all over the place. When he pops up at the beginning of this episode, I was absolutely thrilled. Uh, I think, uh, and, and again, going to still watching, talking about another podcast, it's great. Joanna Robinson was talking about, uh, with Anthony Bresnikan, how they used that Batroc fight scene to visually mirror sequences from the Winter Soldier. And what she said, and I think is absolutely right is that they are showing that Sam's doubts like I can't be Steve I can't be Captain America he's already being Captain America mm. you know like that action scene proves that he has the physical skill to be on an equal playing field with Steve Rogers w- w- even without serum even without serum even without serum with that exoskeleton suit and his little drone buddy red wing oh. um he, he's he's a super soldier right and so what Sam needs to do is, and what Marvel needs to do, Marvel Studios, is find a reason for him to say, I will be Captain America. Which again, for a black man in this country in, in 2021, it's it's very complicated, mm-hmm. right? Like this country is built on blood and bones, uh, and on the backs of slaves, and... <laughs> That's that flag, the American flag, represents a lot of heinous shit. Oppression, yeah. A lot of oppression. And for a black man to wear that flag and charge into battle, some things need to be reckoned with. And I think this show is going to be about that. So you you were taking a little little gander at that IMDB page. I was. And a name, a, a name popped out at you. Well, I mean, Carl Lumley is in the cast. Carl mm-hmm. Lumley, if you were a 90s kid— and you like superheroes in comics, you were all about the television show Mantis. I have never even heard of it. I know, I know. Uh, (laughs) Carl Lumley played Mantis, and he was a scientist, wheelchair-bound, who built an exosuit, and he became the superhero Mantis. And he was a bad ass. And so I see Carl Lumley on that cast, and I... I see Malcolm Spellman talking about the comic book Truth, Red, White, and Black, written by Robert Morales and Kyle ba- and illustrated by Kyle Baker. And I go, we're gonna we're gonna step back in time. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have some flashbacks, and we're gonna learn about the Black Captain America, Isaiah Bradley. And if you have not read the Truth, Red, White, and Black series, I think you really should do so. It's one of the best Captain America comics ever made. Uh, unfortunately, not in print, not in physical print right now, but it is on the Marvel Unlimited app. Marvel. It's it's super annoying that it's you not in physical are print. Fumbling. Um, but it's a story based on the Tuskegee syphilis study, which is a study in which the American government um just let a bunch of human beings uh, and, go crazy with syphilis. Correct. Uh, I mean, it's a tr- it's just one of many atrocities. And so what you learn is that 300 black soldiers during World War II were experimented on as guinea pigs. Uh, and all of them died uh, with the exception of Isaiah Bradley, who became the first black Captain America. And that comic ends with Steve Rogers learning that there were other super soldier serum experiments done in his name um that he wasn't he wasn't the first captain america they didn't they didn't invent that name for him well 
I mean, it's it's more complicated. Like in the comic book, it's weird. I'm curious to see how they deal with it in the show. Okay. Like Marvel's like, no, no, no. Steve Rogers is still the first Captain America <laughs> guys. These were happening just after those experiments. So when Dr. Erskine was killed, oh. they hired these other scientists to work on a bastardized version of the super soldier serum, which is what they injected in these 300 soldiers. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm hoping they, they go like, this guy was first. But we'll see if they actually do that. Um, and so I see Isaiah Bridley in the cast, and I think we're going to get either flashbacks. Carl Lemley. You see Carl Lemley sorry, in the cast. Sorry. Yeah, You've already cast him, though. I've cast him. He has no name next to his credit in on IMDb. I think he's Isaiah Bradley. I think we are going to explore the dark history of this country mm-hmm. through the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And, like, do I think it's going to be a Spike Lee movie? Like, do I think the Falcon and the Winter Soldiers is going to be Defied Bloods? I don't think it's ever going to be that honest or uh, scathing, but I do think it's going to be a little scathing. And I think every Captain America story is a political one, Mm -hmm. and it should be one that explores why a man wears the flag on his chest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you brought up Slack briefly. Yes. I think um, we do have, if you are, what is the levels, the level that gets to be on this? Dearly Beloveds and Happily Ever Afters, the $5 and $10 level. So if you are our Dearly Beloveds or the other one. Happily Ever After. after. You've signed up now for Patreon. I know, but I signed up for the lowest level. Yeah, you did. I did. Because I I couldn't see any of the comments or listen to the episodes. (laughs) Uh, So I was like, I want to hear us. I want to hear what I said. See if I sound like an idiot. So people on Slack have been talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, so we do have a spoiler channel. So if if any of you, like myself, want to (laughs) upgrade, you can. Um, Okay. So I... Sorry, I scrolled up. Why did I do that? I don't know. Um, Shara is looking for some more information on who is John Walker exactly. John Walker, a U.S. agent, right? Well, yes, but before he was U.S. agent, he was super patriot. He was created by Mark Gruenwald um, in the 80s, part of that run, which is a really delightful and strange run of comics. I I highly recommend it. It's also where uh, Cap Cap Wolf, the werewolf Captain America comes from. But uh, John Walker started off off as a dark mirror to Steve Rogers. He was the villain super patriot, and he was basically patriotism taken to an extreme, Mm -hmm. something we are very well aware of in this country right now. Um, And, you know, where Steve was um, an urban street kid, poor, John Walker was a southern, middle-class, well-off kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know... Uh, he wanted to be Captain America. He wants to do what Captain America does, uh, but he does it maybe a little more aggressively and uh, with a different set of values than Steve has. And eventually, Steve Rogers in the 80s in the comics walked away from being Captain America. He, um, he became disenfranchised with his role, which is what we've been talking about. And he, and he stepped down. And when he stepped down, the American government's like, well, we don't want Steve anyway, Let's take Super Patriot and make him Captain America. And there's 30 issues of comics where John Walker is Captain America. And what those comics are about is how taking on the role of Captain America changes John Walker as a human being. He wants to live up to the title. 
and he starts to become a better person. And so they, they, they start to make John Walker a good guy, in quotes. And he eventually teams up with Captain America, Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers and John Walker learn that, guess what? Red Skull, he's doing some shenanigans from behind the scenes, and he's actually living in a cloned body of Steve Rogers. Oh, Jesus. And the three of them all go into a brawl, and they kick clone daddy Red Skull's ass. <laughs> they actually melt the Steve Rogers face, uh-huh. and Steve Rogers' body now has a Red Skull. It's it's just issue 350, I think. It's I just reread it. It's an awesome comic. I really, really like it. It's very 80s, uh, but that run of comics is very interesting. It's about... How the mantle changes John Walker's heart. And they recently know? came out with another like U.S. agent. They, I, re- I read it. I was not into it. Yeah. So uh, U.S. agent American Zealot, written by Christopher Priest, is the most recent v- version of John Walker. He's very pathetic. He's a contract, uh, a military contract, a private security guy. Um, it's. I don't think the comic is great. I think it is interesting in the fact that this is how they want to portray John Walker in the comics today knowing that he was going to come and be a foil in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Similar to how they just recently did the Falcon and Winter Soldier series uh, by Derek Landy. And that version of Falcon and Winter Soldier in the comic book is very much what we're going to see in this show. Uh, it's a midnight run, a lethal weapon, another 48 hours, buddy cop comic. Uh, and the personalities don't really feel like the Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes that we knew before this comic. The way, like... They're changing the personalities in the comics to match Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, basically. So that's John Walker. Now, Andy W. is wondering if Torres is just a nod to the comic or if he's actually going to take on a bigger role. Uh, Yeah, so Torres in the comic comes from the Nick Spencer Captain America run where Sam Wilson was Cap. And, uh, you know, Captain America is partnering up with Misty Knight through that series. And there is a new Falcon uh, in that run, and Torres is the new Falcon. I hate that run of comics. I <laughs> hate Nick Spencer's Captain America. Uh, I wasn't like in love with Rick Remender's run right before that, although I thought Rick Remender's version of Sam Wilson was much more interesting than what Nick Spencer ultimately did with that comic. Nick Spencer's Captain America is basically saying, like, there's good and bad on both sides. Uh, You know, leftists can be radicals as much as right-wingers. Which is like the old-school Marvel stamp. Yeah, like it's the (laughs) Stanley centralist point of view that I don't cotton with. And so whatever. Uh, But just like, but, but yeah, Nick Spencer, his run has some good art. Daniel Acuna on the first run is pretty great. That builds to the Secret uh, Secret Empire storyline where you get Hail Hydra, Captain America, um, and yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, so Torres, Lisa, you told me earlier, how many episodes is Torres supposed to be According in? According to IMDb, just one. Yeah, IMDb is not always right. But I don't. I I don't think Torres is going to be a huge. He's ha- role. he's so handsome. I would not mind looking at that actor. He's handsome, but like, what is he doing in this episode? Is he acting on his own when he goes to Switzerland and encounters the Flag yeah, Smasher group? He's taking his cues from Falcon. He wants to be uh, a seems, contractor as well. So he's not working with the military, I guess, at that moment when he's I in think Switzerland. I he's like I think that I think that um. 
he's kind of doing some, like he works for the government, but he's kind of doing some personal undercover work. Yeah. For Falcon. Yeah, I, don't I like mean, that. it's super suspect. I would, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he was like a double, double agent. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see if we get more Torres. I'm, I'm gonna I look up that don't care. Name. Danny Ramirez. Danny Ramirez. Yeah. Um, he's good at it. He's fine. I just don't love what's going on with that character. There's something, there's something that Jason Ayer said. Right, I couldn't, it. I couldn't find the character's name. So I apologize. But, um, the, Dad, like the the dad of the guy he's he's doing amends for. Oh, um, oh, the the he, the old man. Yeah, yeah. I, I hate to try and guess at what his name was. Um, uh, I think I could find it on IMDb. I'm on IMDb, and weirdly, I couldn't find it. Well, this is the great thing about podcasting, especially on the Patreon, because the Patreon listeners don't want us to hit cut. You Google it. Yeah, Why well, am I trying? I'm trying to podcast. You guys can look it up. But Jason Ayers was like, when I first saw him, I thought he w- maybe would have been one of the Howling Commandos. That's what I thought, too. And so, but that brings an interesting idea of, are we going to see any Howling Commandos pop up for Bucky? That yeah, would be super fun. The character's name is Yori, and he's played by te- Ken t- uh, Takamoto. Uh, I think that is a definite possibility. And if I'm right in Isaiah Bradley coming in and we get some flashback, I think we could get flashback with characters we already know, like Dum Dum Dugan, right? Like, I think we could see some Howling Commandos in this series. How fun would that be? Yeah, I think it would be super fun. We could, I mean, like, I don't think they're going to do it, but we could have Red Skull in yeah, this series. Yeah, we could. We could have uh, Joanna Robinson. Again, I'm giving a lot of plugs. I'm for, sick of you bringing up this other woman. Well, it's it, making me feel. I've been, uh, you know, I'm obsessing over Falcon Winter Soldier. I listen uh, to all Falcon Winter yeah, Soldier podcasts. Okay. And I just listened to this episode before we hit record. But Joanna Robinson says, you know, like, we could see Red Skull. We could see Stanley Tucci. How fun. As Dr. Erskine. Well, I hope all of her predictions don't come true because I want this woman (laughs) that you keep talking about to be disappointed because I I feel in competition with every other woman podcaster for for the airtime and your heart. But she has no place in my heart, okay? You can just be confident in that. But I do think that Jason is onto something. I think we could see some uh, Howling Commandos and more characters from the first Avenger pop up. Yeah. What else we got? Anything else from the uh, Slack? That's it. I, that's it. I like integrating the Slack into our episodes. I do, too. I think that's fun. I do, too. So we are, like we did with WandaVision, going to continue talking about the Falcon and Winter Soldier in the spoilers section of our Slack channel. Uh, so uh, post anything there. And when we bring up the show again later in the month, it's only six episodes long. Sad. So. It'll take us through April, early May when it'll be done. And then they announced Loki is going to be June 11th, uh, the Loki series. Very excited about that. And, of course, we got uh, the Black Widow movie, which I'm also eagerly anticipating. I saw someone on Twitter saying, like, do any of us really care if uh, we see this Black Widow movie or not? And all I got to say is yes. Uh, Guys, the Black Widow movie is based on a story, an original screenplay by Jack Schaefer, who was the head writer on WandaVision. So, like, her Black Widow work got her the gig on WandaVision. We all love WandaVision. I think we should pay attention to what's going to go down in Black Widow. So I'm excited about that. Why would you tweet about not being excited? Like, if you're not excited about something, I, you know, you know, you guys know me. I go, I tweet, I tweet my thoughts. (laughs) I comment to you guys exclusively. Uh, And then I duck out. Uh, Anything we have not covered on this show. We didn't really talk about the Flag Smashers. In the comics, it's like two 
separate characters. There's the original Flag Smasher and the separate Flag Smasher. Um, you know, his idea is like borders are bad, governments are bad, countries are bad. We're one nation under the globe. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds heavy. <laughs> like we're one planet and we should act as one planet. And I think the way that that is uh, dealt with in this first episode is interesting. You know, with th- these flag smashers believe that life was better during the blip when there was less of us and the tragedy of the blip unified the planet in a way that it never did before. Which They're kind of like the, the, the maybe Thanos was kind of right. Uh, maybe Thanos is kind of right, but also like Adrian Veidt from Watchmen, right? We mm-hmm. need a space squid to unite the planet to fight against. Right. Uh, and we need a global threat so we can stop bickering amongst ourselves. And so, I I mean, I understand that. I get that. I Like, it makes me wonder, like, once, you know, COVID has gone the way of... The dodo. Uh, yeah, Polio worse. <laughs> <laughs> better, better, better metaphor. Um, like, what is this? What is the status quo really going to look like? And are there going to be people who are like, yeah. you know, we really should actually just be living in our houses but and like, not uh, polluting the planet by driving yeah. just for the fun of it and stuff like that. That's what I'm loving about WandaVision and the Falcon Winter Soldier and probably Loki is it takes these like major things that happen and says, well, let's explore the consequences of those major things. Like, let's look at the blip in a way that Spider-Man Homecoming could not, right? That yeah. That didn't have the time or the space to do. And so here we have two shows, WandaVision, The Falcon, The Winter Soldier, dealing with grief and uh, uh, this horrible, unbelievable thing called the blip. Uh, well, I, we probably actually should be wrapping this episode up, but I do like the relationship between Sam and his sister. Yes. And the fact that um, Sam blipped. Yeah. And she did not. Yeah. And there is palpable resentment. Yeah. How could there not be? Yeah. Because she had to live those five years and those five years gave her growth and perspective and then her brother pops back in and is like, well, now and now I have five years less of life experience, and yet I still have 50% of this boat. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah, yeah, I love, I mean, I loved all of that stuff. Like, I think some people were, I, I saw reactions on Twitter again, you know, they were a little disappointed with how uh, measured this episode was. But for me, I'm like, oh, no. Let's make it more measured. Let's yeah. take another episode and not have Bucky and Sam together. Like, let's build up to their buddy cop dynamic. I, like, because of WandaVision, I'm like, two episodes, at least two episodes of Weird, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. I'm very excited about Falcon Winter Soldier. I was excited beforehand. I love what I'm seeing. Um, I'm I'm really curious to see how we incorporate Zemo, Daniel Bruhl's villain, into yes. the show. So- I hope we get to see Batrock the Leaper. He leapt out of that helicopter, Lisa. He's still around. I want more of him. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Let's give him a mustache. (laughs) He needs to twirl it. I feel like leaping out of a plane doesn't really count as leaping. That's mostly falling. He also did some leaping inside that plane. It was light leapage. It was more jumping. I want to see some real. Yeah, we we want some real leaps. I want to see him go for distance. (laughs) Okay. 
Uh, okay, I guess that's going to do it for us. We hit an hour mark on this episode. Lisa. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, MCU, we love it. Um, we will be back talking about the Falcon Winter Soldier when it is all wrapped. What? Oh, so that's the plan. I, yeah, like we did with WandaVision. Don't you D- think? Is that what we did with WandaVision? It is what we did with oh, WandaVision. That wasn't our plan, though. Our plan with WandaVision was to do one, three, and six. Yeah, and we didn't do that. Yeah. We didn't do that. But I say we still make that plan and then not do it. Okay. All right. We can do that. One, three, and six. One, yeah. three, and six. <laughs> Falcon Winter Soldier. Uh, but I want to get back to talking about comics on our Patreon. Yeah, of course. It's been so long since we've had a Married to Singles episode. I know. And I feel super behind in comics. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, like... During South by Southwest, I removed myself from Slack. I removed myself practically from Twitter. I feel like I have not been doing a good job with CBCC over the past week. I've got some guilty feelings. And now, because we had that conversation at the start of this uh, episode about what a shithead I am uh, denying you I'm so sorry. I wait. I wait (laughs) until you're on the record. Yeah. 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 But the, the moral of that story is always listen to Lisa. One, and you know, just because you're feeling one way doesn't mean that that's the thing, you right. know. So once I pulled the trigger on South by Southwest, uh, honestly, I had so much fun watching those movies. It rekindled my enthusiasm for movies. Well, I, I like the fact that even like you. St- oh, I'm making this episode longer. That's okay. Um, it's a Patreon. I, this, They're paying for this. <laughs> uh, I like that the sense of scarcity a film festival creates because you go like, I got to watch all these movies because they're going to be gone and you don't know if they're going to get picked up anywhere else or if they're going to be right. released or, or if movies will continue to exist after this, <laughs> right, right. you know? So it's just like, yeah. I felt like it's just like get everything in that you can. Like l- yesterday we barely left the couch. Uh, th- right. We watched six movies and we ordered Indian food and, and it, it was, was the, the best. best. It was the best. We, we left uh, after lunch to take a walk to get some vitamin D. Yeah. <laughs> and that was great. And I'd like to go for a walk now after this podcast, actually. That's probably a good That's idea. That's probably a good idea. Um, all right. So the uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, thumbs up from Brad. Vitamin D never doesn't sound dirty to me. When people are like, I got to get that vitamin D. I'm Give like, that yeah, D. you do. This B, Brad, needs some D. B <laughs> yeah. needs D. <laughs> give, me, give me some D. Uh, but thumbs up from Lisa, right? Yeah, two thumbs up. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, you know where we are on our socials. So at Sidewalk Siren for Lisa, uh, at Mouth Dork for Brad. Uh, if you want to get if you want to get on that Slack, you can always up your Patreon. No press. No press. No press. Um, but for those that are dearly beloved and happily ever afters, let's really go to town this week on spoilers and talking about Falcon Winter Soldier. New episode on Friday. Get a little more Wyatt Russell. Wyatt Russell, like I, I got to shut up. This episode's got to end. But I love Wyatt Russell. Who? Doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we need a Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell movie. I like that, that that mantle was passed. The 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 Russell mantle. The Russell mantle. That's a good mantle passed. Also, Kurt Russell is ego. Yeah. In Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's a family, it's a family business. Where's Kate Hudson and Goldie Hawn now? We got to get them in. Oh yeah, that's right. All right, that's it. Until next time, folks. Keep your love tank full and your psychic rapport. You just oh. making this longer. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you sound like Sam Jackson in The Hateful Eight. <laughs> You're going to make a deal with that diabolical, diabolical bitch. bitch. I hurt my tongue doing that. Doopy doopy. Bum bum ba da bum bum ba da.